Train keeps rolling, man. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. go hey what did i say what did i say i had my cousin over i don't know what was it 10 days ago when this trade went down and i told him you know he's he's big into social media he's he's on social media and he's looking around and he's telling me like hey man nicks fans aren't liking this trade they're, they're hating it and i told him man i said give it a month so give it a month Again, it's been 10 days, and, and everybody seems to love it. I liked it at the time, man, and I had a good feeling that people would come around, and they're coming around a lot sooner than I expected. Uh, and the Knicks are playing good ball. Five in a row, folks. Five victories in a row. The vibes are great. Um, and that's what we're going to discuss. Knicks Blazers last night. Nice to have... Clyde's been back for a couple games now, but it's nice to see Gus return. I'm glad Gus Johnson made his return. It was his second game back from the uh, first time he called the game this year. Uh, he's obviously been with MSG before, but love having him back. Uh, I, I thought, yeah, it was, I forget who he was with the first time, but it was, I thought he did a wonderful job then with the, you know, the Brunson burner calls. And it was nice to have him and Clyde. That's an interesting duo. Uh, I, I They were cracking me the hell up last night. They were great together. They bounced off each other very well. Um, Clyde was killing me. <laughs> like So many one-liners like yelling, yelling uh, aloha to, uh, to an Australian player. The most Clyde thing in the world. Uh, you know, he thought Pride Night was, was Clyde Night. That was just like, that was the greatest thing ever. Um, how about the white men can't jump line that he used? Amazing. You know, just, just call him DeAndre Ayton, Andre. <laughs> and I'm sure he's going to screw up Luka Doncic's name on Wednesday or Thursday when the Knicks play them tomorrow night. Um, Gus Johnson got duped at the end there by uh, Evil Dante. Welcome to the club. Everybody's been duped. But, um, yeah, I thought they did a great job together, man. And um, on top of everything that's been going well, you got news that, um, what's his name, Mitchell Robinson might return after all. 
Um, so the Knicks were just recently denied their disabled aid money from the league uh, because there is apparently apparently what was that? Because there is apparently optimism that Mitchell Robinson will return late in the regular season. Oh. Um, oh, that's cool, right? Um, if it happens, it's probably... I would think the Knicks are going to run Mitch off the bench. Um, but just imagine, like, the lineups with Mitch and Ananobi. Like, try running a pick-and-roll. Try putting those two into a pick-and-roll. I dare you. Um, those defensive lineups are going to be absurd if he does come back later in the year. Um so weird how that whole thing has been happening. Like, like at first, he's expected to return at the end of the season. Then we get the report that he's not going to return at all, playoffs or not. Now we're getting the report that he's, oh, you know, after a second opinion, able to come back at the end of this. It's really odd how this whole thing's been going. Uh, but, yes, they will not be getting that $8 million because he might return by the end of the year, which... Also makes me wonder, maybe they're planning on moving him. You know, maybe they're they're trying to package him in a trade. Maybe that's what this is. But we'll see how this plays out. Um, let's, one second here. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about this game, man. Let, let's talk about this victory where the Knicks won 112-84 to and defeated the terrible, and I mean terrible, Portland Trailblazers. So we'll talk about it all when we return from our first break here on BD4, episode 607 of the podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 607 of BD4. Yeah, man, the Knicks looked hot right away. You know, you had Dante DiVincenzo and OG Ananobi, very aggressive early on. Uh, late in the first quarter, Deuce McBride got a few baskets to, to drop. Um, and it was 38-22 Knicks after one. Second quarter was good. Grimes and Brunson make those back-to-back corner three balls. And in the second half of the second quarter, the Knicks just, their offense just disappeared. They went without a basket uh, in the final, final six minutes of that second quarter. But because their defense was so elite, it didn't matter a damn inch because the Knicks were still able to have a 63-41 point, 63-41 lead at halftime. Um, Portland went right back into a zone. They went into zone early in the third quarter. But Dante and OG Ananobi were able to get going again together, kind of repeating what they did in the first quarter. Uh, you get Brunson and Randall, a couple of nice sequences together in the third quarter, and the Knicks go up 97-61, entering the fourth. And the fourth quarter was all garbage time. Tom Thibodeau sat his starters. Randall finished the game with 
a team high, 31 minutes only. He didn't play the fourth. Neither did Brunson, who finished with 26 minutes. I heart only 28 minutes. So look at that. Tom Thibodeau going for now. Thibodeau has done a better job of sitting his starters, but usually he doesn't do it still until like the final half of the fourth quarter. He didn't play these guys at all in the fourth. So that was nice. And the Knicks would win again, 112 to 84 last night. Um, a lot of things to discuss, a lot of things to dive into, man. I just want to like, we usually start with the defense when the Knicks are rolling. Um, but I want to, I want to shout out this offense because this offense is absolutely humming. Um, now don't get fooled by the 112 points. That's sure. It's not a high number. They did have 97 points through three quarters. Um, fourth quarter comes and again, Tibbs sat everybody. There was no Randall, no Brunson. You only had four minutes of OG Ananobi in the fourth quarter. So their offense, don't get it twisted, was great last night. Um, and it continues to be great. You know, the Knicks have been getting everything so much easier lately. Not having to work extra hard, right? You're not having to just rely on Brunson and Randall. The Knicks had 15 assists on their first 20 makes. They finished the game with 26 assists overall. And yeah, like we talked about the concerns I have when Brunson and Julius have to, you know, have to carry the the workload offensively all the time. How we need them to combine for over 60 points for this offense to work, you know, especially after the trade. Neither were particularly on their games last night. Brunson was terrible. Um, They combined for 32 points on 36% shooting, and the Knicks were able to win like this. And that's because everyone's buying in. Everybody's moving, cutting, passing, you know? And not to... Obviously, they were good players, especially quickly. An actual good player. RJ, I didn't consider a good, effective impact on this team but like quickly was great RJ was a you know 18 points per game scorer you take them away though you're getting a lot more ball movement you're getting ball movement and listen the Knicks aren't going to remain you know the 2016 Golden State Warriors offensively they're playing some terrible competition some terrible defenses um but you're seeing a difference in the way they set up and execute in the half court um and even like in the full like their their transition offense has been good all year that's a legitimate strength you know they're continuing to push the pace from defense to offense very effectively um so quick number some quick numbers here for you Overall on the year, the Knicks are top 10 in all of transition frequency, points per possession, points per... Let's, let's, let's like slow down here, Rob. Overall, this season, the Knicks are top 10 in transition frequency, transition points per possession, transition points per game, and transition effective field goal percentage. On the year... They're 7th in fast break points per game. In the last 5 games, they are plus 30 in the fast break. So, last night they were 25-11. to 11. They won the fast break there. So, 
Very good numbers. All of that when you compare that to last season where the Knicks were more of a mediocre transition team, at least until Josh Hart. But, yeah, you're continuing to see them make an effort to push the ball up the floor. Uh, the number of times last night where the Knicks made a legitimate effort to play fast and run the full court game, even after a made basket, that impressed me. You know, they really wanted to speed up this game. Um, you had iHeart throwing outlets. He threw one to Randall after a basket, or Randall sprinting to the other side of the floor. That's something we've we've shouted out Randall for. You know, his efforts off the ball this year. Sprinting to the other side after a made basket. iHeart hits him. And that's how you get Randall. Like, he's able to destroy the opposition when he's in the open court like that because he's got this combination of quickness, strength, and physicality. He's super physical. He's just impossible to stop when he's getting downhill like that in the open court. When the defense isn't set, they're forced to go one-on-one with Randall in transition. That's a friggin' nightmare. That's a nightmare. And he generates, like he has so much gravity on his drives that the help defense is forced to collapse so often. And that's where you get your kickouts to the corners and to the wings. Like Dante. He was getting into position on the perimeter in the fast break. You know, the Knicks had guys in the wing, on the wings sprinting to the corners to space out the floor in transition. And then you go to the half court, too, and it's like the Knicks doing an excellent job there, too. They did a really good job busting zone. You know, the Knicks are doing a much better job this season exploiting the defense in a 2-3 set. Uh, Chauncey Billups had them last night in 2-3. The Knicks countered. The Knicks countered very nicely with movement. Again, finding the middle, right? Cutting, relocating. Passing. You had guys like Julius. You saw him flashing to the nail. OG Anilobi cutting in the dunker spots. He's been cutting all Nick's tenure. Josh Hart relocating middle. Deuce McBride relocating to the corners. We saw that a couple times last night. Guards just doing an excellent job spacing out on the corners and on the wings. Dante, OG. Talk about OG on Lobby. That's how you bust a zone. You use the corners. You use the corners. How do you bust zone? With OG, you know, one thing you couldn't do with RJ that you can do with OG is place him in the weak side corner. Right? You saw the Knicks last night overload the strong side at times to leave OG wide open on the weak side. And with their effectiveness to grab the offensive rebound, their effectiveness in kicking out and knocking down shots, it worked to perfection. And I'm I'm not just like talking bullshit. Like the Knicks are fifth in offensive rebounding, they're eighth in three-point percentage, and they're eighth in passes off drives. And the Nick offense is very drive-and-kick oriented in the half court. They're very good at finding shooters off the dribble drive. That's why I love those non-Josh Hart lineup sometimes where Tibbs can place I-Hart in the dunker spot but have his guards and wings spaced out on the perimeter, right? You're seeing a lot of five-out even when I-Hart's in there. 
And that's a product of now being able to have these lineups that exclude RJ, Mitch, and, you know, at times you don't have to play Josh Hart, where that shrinks the half court. OG Anilobi just adds that different dynamic where he's able to space out. So it's really, really, really fun to watch. You know, how about the two-man game that, I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein and Deuce McBride have? That's always been a thing, by the way. If you've played close attention, if you've paid close attention the last two seasons, him and iHeart have a good two-man game. And iHeart has great chemistry with a lot of the Nick guards. But you saw last, like Tibbs loves running those slob actions, those blob actions. Uh, for those who don't know what that is, sideline side out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, where iHeart will receive the inbound pass, hand it off to a curling guard, and then that curling guard comes around an iHeart screen where they shoot it. You saw that all the time with iHeart and Quickly. That was their go-to. Uh, you see it pretty often with iHeart and Brunson. And you saw it last night with Deuce McBride, right? Um, in half-court sets, you saw Deuce and iHeart work a little give-and-go. There were at least two or three different possessions in the half-court where iHeart was running a as a playmaking hub with the second unit and then found Deuce off of a lot of cuts. That happened, I want to say, at least three times. Um, and, and, you know, good for Deuce, man. Like, he's finding it. Good for Deuce McBride, and that's going to segue us into our first award. We're handing Deuce McBride the Bing Bong Game Ball among the bench unit. Bing Bong! Deuce was wonderful. 16 points last night. Continues to do his thing. Now, I still think bench help is a must. Okay, I think getting that guard to run with the second unit is only going to help Brunson and Randall that much more. Um, and against top competition like Milwaukee, Boston, you're going to see why that's important. All right. I will say Malcolm Brogdon was a zero last night uh, and Deuce was the better of the two. But I think bigger picture wise, you still need to get that guy. Um, but Deuce has found something lately, uh, ironically, not just because of the trade talk, but the new contract, new contract, new Deuce. He seems to be playing up to it. Uh, 16 points, six out of 13 shooting from the field, four of seven from three, a steal, 22 minutes. Uh, he's 11 out of 20, which is 55% on his three-point shot since the quickly trade. That's a six-game span. So, he looks good. Like, he looks very confident. He's actively hunting for shot attempts out there, which is a good thing from him. Like, you're seeing possessions where he misses a shot, grabs the rebound. He's, like, super determined to get the shot up. So, he goes off the dribble, isos, steps it back, pulls it up. You saw that last night in the mid-range, right? That 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 uh, free throw line extended possession where he took a couple jumpers there in one in one possession. That was nice. That was nice to see. Um, confidence. You could just see if you have a pair of eyes and you have some competence, you can see that the confidence is there inside Deuce McBride right now. Uh, and of course, his defense remains very good. Like he's able to play up a position and defend bigger guards, smaller wings. Um, and his defense being as elite as it is makes him such a valuable rotational player when he does give you some offense. That brings him from a situational guy, it's Tibbs' way of saying you won't play, to a legitimate two-way wing. 
right? A ball hawk who can score a little bit when you need some offense with Brunson off the floor. But you just need that consistency. You just need Deuce to show a little more consistently consistency from three-point land. Um, so we'll see what happens with him these next few weeks. You know, the um, trade deadline is the 8th of February. It's February 8th, so I think that's a little less than a month. As we speak, it's Wednesday, January 10th. But, um, yeah, good for good for Miles McBride. I haven't called him Miles in forever. Forgot his name was Miles. Good for Deuce, man. Continues to play good ball. That's his second game ball of the season. Um, and if we're going to give shout-outs to these guys, like Quentin Grimes is thriving too. Shout-out to QG, man, for continuing to thrive under this new-look offense. In the last five games, he's averaging 12 points, on 45% shooting from the field, 45% from three. He looks unlocked out there because he's got more opportunities, right? You're taking away two higher usage guys in RJ and Quickly, and now you're playing Grimes alongside lesser usage players. Try saying that 10 times fast. But he looks very confident out there as well. He's moving around more, some spotting up, but simple relocation has helped him get open. You saw that last night, relocating so Brunson can hit him, so Randall can hit him. Just taking a few steps and shifting to his right and left. It's helping him get open. So good for Grimes. He continues to play well. He looks good. Um, We're going to head to break, and when we get back, we're going to go to the other side of the floor, and I have a lot of things to say about this defense. I haven't forgotten about the defense. So we'll talk some defense when we return from our second break here on BD4, episode 607 of the podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right there. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 607 of BD4, episode 607. This Nick defense, it continues to perfect its craft. The last five games, they're not allowing many points, folks. The most they've allowed was when they allowed 106 to Minnesota. That was five games ago. Then it was 100 to Chicago, 92 to Philly in their own home, 105 against Washington, 84 against Portland. Over that span, the Knicks have the number one defense. On the year, their defensive rating keeps climbing. It's it's up to 14 still, but it went from 19 to 14 before OG to where we are now. Uh, but while they're just 14th, they are just 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6 away from being top 10 again. And if it continues to trend where it's trended, I absolutely think that's a possibility. I have more confidence by day that they will be a top 10 defense again very soon. Just like every every single night, I mean, we... we we always bring up one play every night. There's at least one play that stands out to me 
that we talk about where like the Knicks display excellent synergy and great team defense, right? Those are words you often hear me say. Synergy and team defense. And last night again, and, and credit to Knicks Film School, who I follow them on Twitter. They are excellent. Uh, they did a nice job last night. They posted this one clip where they showed the Knicks just doing a phenomenal job defending those side pick and rolls. And I forget when this was in the game, but there was a possession where the Trailblazers put Hartenstein and Ananobi into the action with, it was a Jeremy Grant, Duop Reith, 3-5 pick and roll. Iheart was in a drop, and he was unable to rotate up. So when the ball gets back to the big on the fade, Grimes, who was one pass away, stunts that Duop Reith, which allowed OG time to recover and switch onto him. Jeremy Grant eventually ends up isoing iHeart on the baseline, but you had, and we talked about this a lot earlier in the season regarding Brunson's defense, you had Brunson as the low man trying to draw the charge on the back line. He doesn't draw the charge, but having his body down there did disrupt Jeremy Grant's drive and it forced a miss on the layup. So that was just a great example of Four guys in an action trying to defend it, and the Blazers unable to execute their pick and roll there because of that team synergy. Um, and the Knicks are very elite, like regarding side pick and roll, they're very elite at icing those empty side pick and rolls. And we saw another possession I enjoyed, maybe in the second half, where iHeart and Deuce McBride did a nice job in ice defense, where they, you know, you smother the, the you smother the baseline to take the middle away. Um, that forced Malcolm Brogdon into a tough pull-up jumper. So I just like how everybody knows their roles, right? Execution in their roles is what we're getting. We've been doing a lot of talking lately about how having IG, uh, IG having OG on an OB here, since he's an actual wing with size, not just length, but size, like he's got a 7'2 wingspan, but he's also 240 pounds. So... But we talked about how it's changed everybody's role defensively and made it easier for them. Literally the first play of the game, you saw this. How having Dante DiVincenzo off the point of attack allows him back into his off-ball help role. The very first play of the game, he picks the pass lanes, steals the ball, throws it down in transition. You know, we've discussed how great it is to have, you know, to be able to move Josh Hart back down to the two where he's defending smaller wings and not force so he can be more physical. That's helped him. Also, I can't say enough how well of a job Isaiah Hartenstein has done holding it down defensively. And that feels disrespectful to say, held it down, right? He's done more than just held it down. Um, and again, I credit uh, KFS because... Those guys do a hell of a job teaching Knicks fans and allowing them to get a second look at the game in a more analytical perspective. But they posted a clip in their thread of earlier in the game with Hartenstein forcing two turnovers in the first quarter because of his impeccable awareness in the secondary. Um, the first one, he's on the back line as Scoot Henderson drives onto Brunson. Then he forces the turnover when Henderson gets down low. Second one was a theme throughout the night where iHeart's playing in a drop on a Dwap Reith pick and roll and he forces the turnover on Jeremy Grant. 
Um, but yeah, the Knicks have been doing this a lot lately too, where they'll leave poor shooters open or unproven shooters open. They'll give them that open look. Um, it's obviously a part of their scheme, but they've been very heavy on it since the Chicago game where they were doing that with, I don't even want to try pronouncing, Io DeSumo. They were leaving him open. Uh, Philadelphia, they were leaving Jaden Springer open. Uh, last night it was Dwap Reith, uh, Scoot Henderson, or even uh, Kamara, if I pronounce his name correctly there. They were doing that as well. Um, it's just a smart scheme. But yeah, like having OG here, man, having length and switchability on the perimeter is just such a difference. Such a difference. You can, you know, there's a lot of hedging up top last night to force Anthony Simons to give the ball up on those pick and rolls. They were hedging screens. They could afford that. They can afford to be more switchable on the perimeter now. During those lineups where Precious was out, was out there in the front court with Randall and OG, the Knicks were able to switch the action a couple of times. That helped Randall get on the break and throw that one steal down, that, that one dunk down. Um, OG was actually on Jeremy Grant last night instead of Anthony Simons, which came to the surprise of many, but Tibbs constantly had OG coming up to bring help on those Simons pick and rolls anyway. Um, and he's just been so good, and I feel like this whole episode has been about OG Ananobi. Um, so, like, he does get the game ball, by the way. <laughs> I, I will give him the game ball amongst the starters. That's Bing bang! That's, that's OG Ananobi's first game ball as a Nick. Um, 23 points. You know, like we didn't even talk about the offense much with him, but yes, you know, killing it. Twenty-three points, four boards, a steal, a block, nine of twelve shooting, four or six from three. Uh, he was a plus twenty-six in twenty-nine minutes last night. He's a plus one eleven total through his first five games as a Nick. <laughs> uh, we have a trivia on that later, but I loved it. Uh, yeah, obviously defense, the offense, spacing out in the corners, knocking those down. Um, I love the uh, post-game interview he had with Rebecca. He's a man of few words, man. He just gets to the point. Short and sweet. The mic grab was cool. That was funny. A lot of people got a kick out of the mic grab. Um, what I'm doing right now, I, I just, it's like a comfort thing. I like to just grab the mic, even though it's on an arm. Um, yeah, I, I loved him. I loved it last night from OG. He was great. Um... I think that's it, man. Like we, we we've discussed what we needed to discuss. Up next for the Knicks, man, you got so they're five and zero this month, right? And remember, I said at the beginning of the month, I would like an eleven and five month, given their schedule this month, the opponents they've got coming up, and how home heavy it is. I said eleven and five this month would be a win. They're five and zero, which means six and five would be all they need the rest of the month to accomplish that. Uh, just go 6-5 and five against Dallas, Memphis, Orlando, Houston, Washington, Toronto, circle that one, uh, New Jersey, Denver, Miami, Charlotte, and Utah. 6-5. and five. That seems very doable, at the least. You know, um, that seems like it's possible now. Overall, the Knicks are 22-15 and 15 on the season. They are the number four seed. They actually have some room between them and the rest of the seeds. It's like a half game, but it's something now. Um, they're two games behind Philly for third place. 
three games behind Milwaukee for second place and six and a half games back overall with Boston in first place. And folks, I think we're at a point now where you can put that Nick, that Knicks, where you can put the Knicks in that tier. Um, like the tier that's right below the best of the best. And then it's the second tier, right? You can put the Knicks in that tier. Um, I think they're a top 10 team in basketball. I, I was, I will say right now, I will eat my words and say, I was wrong about them being mediocre. Maybe they are closer to a 50-win team than a 43, 44, 45-win team than I thought they were. You know? Um, you you want to see it against tougher competition. Because, again, they've had some easy teams. They've had Portland. They've had Washington. Uh, but they've also had Minnesota. They took care of them. And they had they had Philly. And they blew them out of the water. And they're going to have Dallas next. Another tough team. Uh, no Luca tomorrow. He's ducking once again. I mean, that just seems to be a theme. Um, but they have Dallas and Memphis on the road in their next two games. But after that, after this little two-game road trip, the Knicks have a, when I say home-heavy schedule, 12 of their next 15 games, I think it is, is at the Garden after this two-game trip. And one of those road games is at MSG Brooklyn. So, basically, 13 of their next 15 games after this two-game road trip is going to be in New York City. So, they have a really good chance to to do some even more damage in the Eastern Conference. Do they continue to play the same brand of basketball that they've been playing lately? So it's great to see. Um, that's it regarding the game. So what we're going to do is we're going to head to our final break here on the show, and then we'll get back with our trivia in just a sec. Stay with us here on BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. We'll be right back here in episode 607. Stay with us. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to episode 607 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. I appreciate you tuning into the podcast. Thank you for stopping by and listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We do Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Um, 
If you are new here, thank you so much for stopping by. You can find this podcast on many platforms. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts. Please give us a five-star rating and review if you enjoy it. You can watch the video format of this show on Spotify and YouTube. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Would appreciate there if you went over on YouTube and subscribed. You can share this podcast on social media with your friends. You can also find us on social media. You can find my Twitter handle, my Instagram handle, my Facebook, all in the description of these episodes. If you would like to Venmo the show, that is also in the description to help out the podcast. And you can find our website, bd4blog.com. bd4blog.com, where we occasionally write some articles on the Knicks, Yankees, some MMA on there as well. bd4blog.com, that's our website. So with that said, let's wrap this thing up with our trivia, and that will be that. All right, so like I said, OG Anilobi is our trivia tonight. In episode 607 of the show, our NYYNYK MMA trivia question of the day is, before OG Anilobi last night, how many players in NBA history have been plus 100 through five games with their new team? All right, before OG Anilobi last night, how many players in NBA history have been plus 100 through five games with their new team? All right. Now, you know, the plus minus wasn't an official stat until 2007-2008. Um, but it's still a stat that you can calculate, you know, just by looking at the box score in the minutes. So I have to think that's what they mean here. Um. Even then, that's like 16, 17 years, so it's a long time. So one final time, our trivia question for this episode. Before OG Ananobi last night, how many players in NBA history have been plus 100 through five games with their new team? Obviously, I mean at least plus 100. So with that said, that'll be it. That's it for this show. Episode 607. 607 is in the books. Talked a little Knicks. The Knicks defeat the terrible Portland Trailblazers. 112 to 84 last night. They make it five straight victories. And they've got Dallas tomorrow night. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you then. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees! And go Knicks!